Hello and welcome to the DJ Force 10 in Conversation podcast episode 161 and today I introduce to you a group or a duo I should say called they called him zone I get to speak to Mick today from that group and um yeah they've got a new single out called die clean and they've got a new album coming out um in September called if you've got a taste for terror they are kind of like a, a synth pop electro duo um kind of harking back to um likes of like jesus and mary chain uh element of like nine inch nails and all that kind of stuff going on uh new model army um trying to give you a kind of feed for them but go check out their music they've got um, um a few bits out online and um yeah go check them out um i really enjoyed chatting to mick and uh i really enjoyed listening to their music to be perfectly honest with you so um it's a win-win situation really uh but i just want to give um or actually say hello to everyone again um thank you for downloading and all that kind of good stuff um looking for subscribers to youtube if you're interested and want to see some more visual content from me um then i'm looking to get up to i've actually set myself a target of 500 subscribers um as to the sort of like nature of when that's done i'm kind of like maybe by the end of the year um but it did pick up some pace during the sort of quarantine time obviously um allowing uh, people at home to kind of pick and choose how they listen to this podcast and all that kind of stuff really helped and uh yeah so if you're interested in doing that then awesome please go join up um if you're already a, a youtube um account holder all you got to do is go to my youtube page which is um youtube.com forward slash dj force x and simply hit subscribe um that way you get um all the latest sort of like releases and all that kind of stuff from me sort of sent directly to your subscriber feed and uh yeah i do upload this podcast on there but if you are listening to it on there already thank you very much really appreciate your uh your ears um for this time and um yeah i hope you guys are all right sort of getting sort of i've gone back to work now and it's 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 still a bit strange to be honest i'm wearing a mask every day um and uh yeah it's i'm not going to say it's comfortable because it's not but obviously it has to be done um trying to think what else there is really this week there wasn't really much um this is all this is going to be the last one this week um my dj special i've 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 put back till next week now um just purely because of time and i want to sort of space out um a few of the releases and stuff like that but it's still plenty of time to go back and listen to all my other um, podcasts including my dj specials if actually if you go onto youtube i've actually made a playlist of all the podcasts on there um i'm going to do the same for my dj shows and stuff as well so uh look out for that but for now I leave you with Mick of They Called Him Zone. Enjoy. I'd like to introduce Mick to my show. He's from the band They Called Him Zone. Uh, Welcome, Mick. Hi, nice to be here. How are you doing today, man? Yeah, really good. Enjoying the weather, British summer that way. We seem to have a second wave, which is great. Yeah, we've got, I've got a, a big ominous grey cloud over the top of me at the moment. It hasn't done anything, but it's there. <laughs> it's uh, it's bright. Guys in Yorkshire. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I'm down south, you see, so yeah <laughs> cool so um basically what i want to do today i want to talk about your band um i want to kind of do a discovery piece if you will so i want to kind of get your origin story if that's all right yeah perfect yeah so i mean how did you guys form um well myself and steve met uh in 2006 actually when i i, I was in my first band and steve had just left um uh, a band called the Blood Divine, uh, they or they disbanded, which were various members of Cradle of Filth. Okay. Um, like doom metal, I think, um, in genre, um, or speed metal. You know, there's quite a lot of different sub-genres. Yeah. So, um, and I just started out in music and um, ended up on a bill at a place called Royal Park Cellars in Leeds with uh, Steve's band at the time, his new band, um, Vicious Cabaret. And so we formed a bit of an allegiance. And uh, I think because there, there wasn't much of a local music scene in the Bradford area, um, we tend, tended to gig in Leeds a lot and be more part of that scene. Yeah. So... And then I started to realise the more people that I met in Leeds who were in bands who were very similar ethics to ourselves. Um, my band at the time was called New York Alcoholic Anxiety Attack. Um, 
we uh, basically uh, had a similar ethic of trying to create a scene, but then it turns out we were actually all from Bradford, but playing in Leeds. <laughs> mutual ground for a lot of um a lot of us um and uh, a lot of us who also might i might like to add which just to sort of uh, an extra laugh on top was a lot of us followed football but most of us supported man united which is completely the wrong thing to do if you're from bradford or leeds yeah. uh, so it, we had all this common ground and we played very similar music of like alternative psychedelic rock um so me and me and steve just kept in touch and we always checked in with each other uh, how us bands were doing, shared bills, um, and just generally, if we could help each other out with contacts, we we have done, and it's been like that for like a decade, really, or or, or more now, even probably so. Nice, cool. No, that's awesome. I mean, that that sort of like having that kind of um, mutual uh, love for the certain genre of music uh, that you have, and obviously, like being having like a circle of friends within that. So, like, obviously, like you say, a scene. Um, sort of building from that each band kind of helping each other out and things like that putting you know going on sh- double bills together stuff like that um, no that's really cool um, I think when it came to this project starting because this is obviously electro rock and a, a departure from the alternative rock band that bands that we were in hmm. um, I was looking for someone to join the project because he just started as a bedroom music kind of studio project of me me in my own studio just twiddling some modulation pedals and you know creating drum synthetic drum sounds so I, I wanted somebody to come on board who was experienced and done a lot of touring and knew knew what being in a band was like and but also you know when you're looking for members for a band you've got to be able to live with these guys you know yeah. you've got to be able to bounce off each other and I was very much insistent I was looking for a co-writer and someone who can kind of rein rein me in and also uh, you know bring melody and melody is an inspiration to to the song so it's been a really good successful collaboration writing uh, so far nice nice and you guys you've got a new single out right now uh, called Die Clean Uh, do you want to tell us about that yeah um I was listening to a lot of Jesus and Mary Chain at the time, and I think that does come through a little bit with the, the guitars I mean, this particular track and yeah. maybe the overall vibe. Um, but the, the actual lyric kind of was spawned after... Um, I was listening to Motorhead not long after Lemmy had died, and I've always been a little bit kind of in between about whether I liked Motorhead or not. Mm. I, I, I liked the idea of the driving music, but maybe didn't necessarily like what they stood for, or maybe there was mixed messages there, you know, like the Iron Crosses and things like that, you know, and I think, you know, obviously the times we're living in now, those things are open to, you know, um, you know, debate yeah. as to whether it should have been used. But, you know, he he was sort of a different generation. I think people have to respect that, you know, 70s rock was very, very different. The 70s were very different. But um, mm. I just realised, um, I, I read something that about, how much people kind of worshipped him as like a rock icon and the decadence and things like that. And, you know, I've never been one for sort of like following trends and believing that being in the rock industry and music industry, you know, in, in any way following about excess and things like that. Um, so, um, you know, for me, it's always been about, you know, being able to get up at 11 o'clock in the morning instead of eight o'clock and commute. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and make music, you know, which is yeah. which is great. You know, if, if it's a passion, you, you, I guess making it has always been something where, for me, it's just like you you want to get up in the morning and that's all you have to do for the day is just make music. So it had that in mind, really, of basic the idea. Of, I wanted to get across this kind of like almost nonchalant um, kind of uh, feeling, um, you know, um, of not caring or be like a certain coolness towards you know making it in the music industry and yeah. uh, it, it's hence the repetition in the song so um but obviously when you create a song like that as well it's got to have energy so and energy was really important but it, it kind of just fell into place it was kind of wrote the backbone of it in about 25 minutes just went in my studio and slammed it down and most of the backbone we, we ended up keeping for the original i think the only things that were kind of redone were some of the guitars and uh some of the bass synth underneath mm. so 
it came together really quickly. No, that's really cool. I mean, it was the first track I ever heard of you guys from. I know you've got uh, EPs out as well. Um, and uh, I just, yeah, I just, um, I really like it because I really like that kind of style, that kind of like dark wave synth um, rock sound, if you will. Um, and um, I, I sort of, I come from a, a my, my sort of background in, in music is very, uh, it's basically rock and electronic music. Oh, really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like I, I, I DJ anything from like drum and bass to um to like metal. I've, I I DJ regular metal nights down this way. So when we're allowed out, that is. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, just like that sort of crossover sound. Obviously, I was I'm a child of the '80s as well. So um, it's kind of got a lot of like callback to that sort of era. That kind of like um new romantic kind of like Gary Newman um kind of like dark synth sounds. Well, um, it's interesting you should kind of say that and, and also your background in music um, because what's always uh, like kind of turned me on as a musician is like electronic sounds, but also I love guitar, so I'm never going to lose that. Mm. But it's, it's, it's the fact that with and making electronic music, there's no boundaries. Yeah. You, were, you, you know, to use a metaphor, you're on the Enterprise and you were just heading off into the galaxy. And there's no end to the galaxy. It's, it's, it's infinite. It just goes on and on. And that's how I feel when I make music. But um, one thing that's been really exciting recently is um, with the record that we've, we've, we've put together, um, we've, we've had a techno remix done of, this, of the main single, which actually isn't due out for till I think, last week in August or something, okay. uh, which is like if you've got taste for terrible. I think uh, the I think you dig the the remix if you're a drum and bass guy. It's got that kind of drum and bass techno kind of thump about it, and um, it's been uh, made it's produced by a, a local uh, techno duo called Verse, um, and a collaborator on that was someone called Patrick Stoog, who um, who's uh, known in that particular genre. So that's been quite exciting to get involved with that and see what other electronic artists do with our music that's really cool i mean i I get that to me when it's available um i have another radio show um i've been actually running i've just bought it back after a year of it being off air but it's um it's basically i call it a remix rock show um and it's an hour-long kind of uh quote-unquote club mix of rock metal electronic uh music basically so so remixes mashups uh bands that actually have that sort of sound infused in them um and all that kind of stuff. I ran it for about five years and then stopped for a year just because I couldn't handle the sort of two shows and I was busy. Um, but recently the guys at, at total rock who I do my shows for, um, encouraged me to bring it back. So, um, yeah, any remixes, <laughs> if you want to fire on my way, I can definitely give that airtime on there. So, um, but I look forward to that. You say it was like end of August, you say? Yeah. I mean, we might be able to work something out before then. Um, I think, but- <laughs> They, um, I was just having a, uh, there was a debate the other day that I think it was a friendly one because there's like a, like a little group that I'm part of on, on Facebook. Um, and it's, it's, it's about remixing and dance music. And, uh, the question that dropped the other day was, uh, right, drum and bass artist who's out there. And, and for me, it was, it was, it, I always go back to Goldie because he introduced me to a lot of drum and bass. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and also like, you know, in a city life, that, that kind of vibe for me was, it will always be drum and bass. And there's loads of fantastic artists out there, but it's what I always go back to where I first kind of discovered it because he was such a, a pioneer and also very giving in terms of showcasing other people's music from that genre and, and jungle and things like that. So that, that was wicked. Yeah, no, totally. I, I'm I'm a massive head of his Metalheads, la- massive fan, sorry, of his Metalheads label from back then. Inner City Life, um, fantastic tune. The album was amazing as well back then that sort of like birth of of like well the sort of like awakening of drum and bass i would say um from back then actually if you're interested i watched a really good document <laughs> there's a really good documentary um the drum and bass arena released on youtube um a couple of weeks ago and it's the history of drum and bass um, and it's it, yeah yeah it starts off that era that kind of like um the the goldie um like kickoff and goes into like metalheads and then renegade hardware and all that kind of stuff 
um it's like an hour and a half long but it's it's professionally made but it's it's got interviews with all the drum and bass artists and stuff like that um but you might be interested in that if you're if you were of that era as i was i mean i've still got the vinyl now so i'm like (laughs) wonderful i mean i came to those things i wouldn't say late in life but um, my first job was in a men's independent retail uh, outlet in Bradford called Annex. And um, the, the guy who, who owns the business, he, he was kind of like, I'm, I'm like in my sort of mid mid thirties now, but when I went to work there, he was probably my age. So he, he'd sort of like late eighties and early nineties. Um, he had a lot of CDs around that time mm. that had used me to loads of music. So there was all kinds of things like, slowly ming and left field and all these acts around the town that people used to go out incognito um you know and things things like that that the, from the club scene and drum and bass scene where people would listen to after hours after parties and mm. it, it was just really vibrant uh, you know like the scene in bradford obviously i was a bit too young to, and missed it really but he introduced me to it and through the music it, it kind of really gave me an idea of what it must have been like um and uh you know sharing records and uh, you know it wasn't always it was about the music and i think that's something that's that's lost now and sharing music because it's just too easy with streaming and things like that where you know if someone lent you a cd like i'd go out my way to make sure they got that cd back Mm. you know yeah and then and you'd have a discussion about it and share music it's just changed but yeah such a great time yeah Um, definitely definitely And, and like from that documentary it shows that there's like still like if like that sort of genre goes away but comes back again um that the scene was built on what you just said there like that that kind of like transfer of cds um and 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 you know at that point vinyl and stuff like that uh, which was really cool sure and tapes yeah tapes <laughs> tapes yep tapes were huge <laughs> and get a usb drive with millions of songs on it it's crazy <laughs> It's fantastic. Um, But no, I mean, sort of bringing up to sort of like today as well, there's a lot of bands out there that kind of infuse that kind of more sort of big sounding drum and bass. Obviously, Pendulum uh, were kind of like a bit more of the the sort of commercial success out of that. Um, But you've got guys like the Prototypes, you've got the Chemists. um, And uh, there's there's a whole plethora of bands out there. There's a band called Seething Akira from down in um, down Southway. Um, And they're kind of, they, they infuse a lot of electronic, like sort of dance music into like sort of like a more of a a punky rock thing uh which was really cool uh it might be worth checking out if you're into that sort of stuff but um yeah no i mean like just sort of having and then like, like the sort of like general sort of like down like synth wave things and things like that seem to be creeping up now as a sort of like um i say semi-commercial success if you will with like you yeah know, stranger things and whatnot doing you know having that kind of like retro feel but it's also brought through a lot of artists um that kind of I think that. Uh, that is key, that is key. What actually what you just said because I think TV and film, particularly streaming services of film and television, have really really helped to I guess establish and reinvent a lot of genres that have kind of been lost and might have been classed once as maybe niche mm. genre, but have kind of brought them into the modern world or dragged them up. And, and Stranger Things is a, an excellent example. I, I love really love the the theme um the the, the scores for that yeah but um you know it, it, even things like maybe i don't know how long ago it was was it a decade ago the the second tron film yes you know with that punk went with that 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 was quite inspirational and um there was films like i think is it called drive with ryan gosling yeah uh, that that had a very kind of electronic soundtrack um i know the recent twin peaks uh, series like reboot um that had quite a lot of sort of synthy kind of sounds in a john carpenter kind of style which i think david lynch is very into himself which is in, an inspiration of it to our music as well and i think for me it's just it's such a vibrant scene all the way from old school rave um, using electronic samples right through to drum and bass right through to dark wave synth wave mm. new wave and 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 there's all these crossovers and it's unfortunate that they all have to be blooming named because you lose track of all the subgenres. And yeah, you do. <laughs> you should just be filed all under Electro. Um, yeah, that and- would be a lot easier for me, I'll tell you that, because, like, looking at the, some genres that people throw in their, like, press releases and stuff, I'm like, what's that? 
<laughs> you know um but obviously you know it's i guess people need to have that kind of uh you know there needs to be an element of pigeonholing so people can describe you or marketing i guess the word is if you want to give it a a business name um, uh, but yeah no i mean that that synthwave side of things i mean i'm i'm very much into that i was a big fan of uh, well i still am big fan of video games so like especially ones from like the 80s and 90s when i was a kid um and the sort of soundtracks that came with that and then and it, it kind of like it, it's that kind of chip tune scene but with more refined um like outlets if you will they're not they're not the like relying on a a, a chip inside of a, a a game system to produce various sounds which is obviously quite uh, limiting um yeah things like you know from outrun to mortal Kombat, all these yeah yeah, you know, um, synthetic sounds that were created are oh, fantastic. You know, I was, I was playing Sonic the Hedgehog a while ago. Um, there was a complete novelty when I was around at someone's house. They they downloaded like a, a Sega Mega Drive Mega Box type game thing on the PS4. Yeah. And it had, it had all these like Streets of Rage and all these old school games that I remembered and Alex Kidd and, 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 and it was just brilliant. The sounds and the melodies yeah. that people, recreating from those computer games who would have thought it yeah, it's, it's it's crazy i mean like streets of rage is one of my favorite soundtracks when it comes to video games um and i've got the the mega drive mini classic thing um i had a mega drive when i was a kid as well but yeah mm-hmm. just like playing that it's a, it's a pure nostalgia hit but the songs were really good like on their own you know like you say the melodies they got out of that that sort of like i'd say basic chipset but um you know what they got out of that is amazing uh things like outrun as well sort of that soundtrack is iconic when it comes to video games um and uh yeah no it's 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 certainly a, it's a genre that i really love like just sit back and listen to really <laughs> there's um there's a plug-in um because one of the how we came up with a with a band name uh, was partly down to like the primitive music equipment that we had at our kind of disposal, really. In that we were a synth band, electro rock synth band. That to start, we didn't actually have a synthesizer. I had um, a nineteen eighty nine Casio keyboard, wow. which I was putting into like um, bass synthesizers and modulation pedals to emulate those sounds, um, and then. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm even using Logic 7, which is, I think, 2004. Yeah, so, that's going back. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, and it, I mean, it, it, in a way, though, it kind of helps in our genre in terms of to get that sound, but there's this fantastic plug-in, and I guess anyone who does listen to this, um, if they worked on Logic back then, they'll, they might remember that like there's a plug-in called the Bit Crusher. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, if you so it's just fantastic. It puts it's got like an AM FM radio setting, and anything that you make, just it gives you that instant pixelated sound. Wow! Um, and it puts you in that whole world of video games straight away. Which sometimes I'll press it just on a, on a completed track just yeah. to see what it like. And it's fantastic. <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna have to refine something like that. That's something I I, I remember my my friends having. So. Um... Yeah, no, I'm gonna have to. Find, I've just written that down so I can remember that. Um, that's really no, that's really cool. I mean, like I say, it, it's it's it, it, it's a whole like thing that that I'm very much into, and that's kind of what got me into you guys of sort of having that kind of like, like I like dark wave basically. I like synth rock, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, yeah, you guys, uh, you've got an album planned as well. Is that still going ahead for the date that I've got of September the fourth? Yeah, that's correct. It was delayed. Um, we kept saying forever delayed um, <laughs> because uh, we had problems getting, with the mastering. We just kept sending things back and forward, and then we went to remix, and then um, some people came in to collaborate. So there's been all sorts of like things that I would say it, it's been inspiring and obviously um, good to to. to add things and take things away and get other people's perspectives. But um, it did delay things to start with. And then unfortunately we, we hit this pandemic and made a, made a, an effort to sort of say, look, well, me and Steve discussed, is it the right time to put the record out? Um, do, you know, do people really want to listen to the sort of music that we put out during this period? You know, there's a lot of people that are frightened out there and frustrated and not able to see the loved ones. And was it the right thing to do? You know, all these things go through your mind. Yeah. Um, what's the best thing to, to kind of do ethically, really. Um, so, I, I mean, I consulted with some 
friends of mine who are in, you know, bigger bands and uh, friends who are in smaller bands and musicians across the board. And the general sort of state of or consensus, if you like, was see what happens. And when you feel like putting it out, put it out. And we, so we delayed it for quite a while, maybe three, three months or so. And we did, then we decided to, to go ahead and just put it out anyway, because it, it's kind of been a couple of years in the making anyway. And mm. I, 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 I don't wish to, you know, scaremonger or anything like that, but I, I don't see, you know, it's, it's going to be a slow easing of things out there and I don't see things changing for a long time. And the only thing that we can do different outside of lockdown is um, find places to gig uh, that, are, you know, that have incorporated a social distancing uh, guideline, uh, you know, policies and procedures to their venues, which I think is going to be very difficult for artists of, of our, our size um and well any artist i think you know um to to get back out there and play live really i think there's other ways of doing things but you know we're still a while away from from that um so you know going forward it's it's uncertain i would say about what's going to happen so so anyway we decided to still release the record because obviously once it goes out there online people can stream it and you know there's fans around that have been asking us for ages, when's it coming out, when's it coming out, and we've been going soon, soon, soon. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's up to them. It's, I guess an, a mentor of mine is, uh, throughout my music career, who's always given me help and advice, he's always said the same thing about releasing records, and I think only really now do I kind of see that. And he always just said, look, put it out there, and people will find it. And and I guess it's another way of, I guess, I don't get the proverb, you know, but what was said, it was like, if you build it, they'll come. Yes. It's another way of saying that. And, and I think that's quite true. So I guess, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things. Like I've I've had the pleasure of speaking to a lot of, of musicians during lockdown, um, all in different sort of like situations, like mid-promotion or... You know, they're doing like more sort of like, you know, online promotion, if you will, like before they release an album, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, each band have been been different in their approach, really. Um, and it's been quite interesting um, just sort of like discovering and, 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 and talking about it uh, just purely on the basis of because no, none of us like no one knows when this will end, like you said. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a very soft easing, um, you know, getting back to the live scene. And it's kind of like uh, the way that a lot of bands have adapted and a lot of artists have adapted has been quite interesting. Um, like obviously taking a more hands-on approach when it comes to sort of like online promotions and stuff like that, like really utilizing their, you know, their, their social media streams and whatnot. Um, do you guys have any plans on that front at all? Anything you've kind of like, going to attempt to put together yeah i we, we made a decision to um make as many music videos for the content that's going out as possible mm. um you know and uh, we've got a, a number of creative individuals that are also helping us to put that together those together um we have a very strong kind of house style if you like you know things are dark and scratchy and um you know inspired by the films that we uh we we, we we hold dear and the, the, I guess the auteurs that we hold dear. Um, so we like to kind of put that across in, in a visual. Um, I mean, I think moving forward, we, we probably will at some point maybe do some kind of live streaming performance, mm. but we agreed that we wouldn't do that until we could both be in the same room and make and kind of set things up like we do when we, we actually perform, you know, cause we, we always have a little bit of production with us. So we, we always have like a projection, um, you know, of like visuals, um, additional lights, um, like a like a psychedelic oil wheel, and some I wouldn't say stage props, but more stage ornaments, yeah. if you like, <laughs> just to kind of enhance the the overall aesthetics, really. And so until we can do that safely, we we, we won't do that. We've 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 got the space to do it at our at our studio. Yeah. Um, so we'll we will definitely try something, but again, just yeah, wait and wait and see. It, it seems to be something that everyone's doing at the moment. We're just waiting to see. Um, when I've spoken to some of the bigger artists that, that I'm in contact with, um, they um they've they've said things similar like 
when we've when it's right to do so, we're going to all get together in the same room and do a proper, you know, show and streaming, and then do a DVD release. And they, they seem to have a much much greater budget and marketing plan for for their releases in this period. And you know, we're, we're kind of we always go by the ethic of. It's, it's the punk ethic of DIY. It's the rip it up and start again. You know, Simon Reynolds thing. We come come from that post-punk ethic of let's mm. just do what we can um, to the best of our ability with what we actually have available. Um, and it uh, seems to be working for us so far. Not to not to sort of say anyone else's ethics are wrong. It's just, that's just how how we are really. And, yeah. and Keep, keep it, keeping it real if, yeah. you, if that's possible these days yeah i know it, it's a strange time and 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 it's kind of like the best analogy i've heard is is everyone's kind of building the plane in flight because no one's been in this situation before um and they're kind of having to adapt immediately like you know with whatever you know because no one there's still no 100 percent like solution to what we're doing um and you know and you've got to carry on you've got to do something i've been doing my podcast if you will and uh sort of helping guys like you out because you guys were at home and you've got stuff to kind of promote and this is a way of doing it um but i've got like i say like you got friends in bands i've got friends in bands that have just been doing you know the sort of like live in their own homes acoustic you know all that kind of like just sort of like blanketing their their sort of social media presence um, and that's working for some. And then there are some that are kind of like doing it in dribs and drabs, which is also working. Um, and it's just sort of one of those things, like you say, is that you've got, if you've got that kind of like punk attitude to it, um, where it's kind of like, let's, you know, with the resources we've got, what can we do? Um, that's fantastic. I'm a big sort of like uh, advocate for DIY. Um, in as much as like even my show here is, it's all the, the reach on it is organic um so i've never paid for promotion <laughs> or anything like that so it's kind of like you like obviously i rely on press agents like the ones you have um to sort of like so i can discover certain musics and stuff but um my show generally has been an organic grow um mm. and it was from that diy i was in a band back in 2000s and um and again we were diy we produced ourselves we funded ourselves we for the most part promoted ourselves um and that was mainly me doing all that um apart from the production that was my guitarist um but it was like you know that that sort of attitude and and sort of like use of resource i really respect so nice mm. I, I think i think that's a, a good thing to touch on as well you know like when when you enter a world of paid promotion it's it's kind of a slippy slope because then you're always chasing the dragon um, and obviously we have a we have a press agent, um, we have a, a radio plugger who we've not actually employed for this record, um, and that's pure, partly down to funding. Um, mm. We were given the opportunity uh, to raise some funding uh, through, uh, I guess, our mentors and uh, established artists that we know in the music industry were willing to help us out having after they heard the record, um, but that's on a, a, that's not on a, with they've given is it kind of basis. It's uh, on a, we will pay it back basis. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, we don't have that up, up front. I think, I think to be completely transparent it, it, for a lot of ice, like, like ourselves is, it's something that you don't see. So, you know, the, the way the music industry works is you do need people to help you. That's the truth. Yeah. But there's a lot, there's a lot of charlatans out there who will promise things and, so on, you know, we sourced out very, very well to who doesn't necessarily promise things. He just, it, it reflects in, in his work what he actually does and achieves, uh, you know, from day one. Um, but I think um, I think that's the way the music industry has gone now. There's a lot of kind of agents and middlemen out there who are there to help you. Yeah, okay, they cost money, but, you know, you could spend an absolute fortune on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, growing your social media, yeah. and it would be very difficult to do so. Because let's face it, I think I think we're all as an art, as artists at this at this crossroad where there's no such thing as A and R anymore on record in a record label yeah. to develop you. So you've got to develop yourself, and you've got to understand that, which is kind of something that a lot of emerging artists don't necessarily understand. That could be through you know, ignorance or innocence in a way is that you have to have a, a built ship ready to roll um, and you're not going to get discovered in someone's basement and, um, you know, someone's going to throw 10 grand at you anymore to develop you and stick you on a tour 
with a bigger band to nick their audience and get some experiences. Those days, you know, they happen in a certain way, but they don't happen quite what they used to. Like when I when I first started, that was the route. You know, you you had to, you went to be the support band. You were the first on. You got twenty minutes. Doors opened and you were on. Yeah. Um, you didn't get any. You didn't even get your name on bill. If you did, it was tiny. You know, and you getting promotion and getting uh, your name in magazines has always cost money. It's hard to do that as an emerging artist, and always will be. Um, so I think anyone who's out there that's going to help bands and uh, be able to help bands, yeah, they, they will cost money. But it's, you're better going to those people and researching what they can do. Um, you know, for your, I guess, brand in a way. Yeah. Um, again, what a lot of young and established artists don't realize is that you've got you've got a brand and we don't like to think of this marketing side because it starts to all sound a bit corporate and a bit like we, we were you know money oriented and monetizing yeah. and things like that and, and that's not the case at all it's, it's it's about exposure and more to the point introducing your music um and art to people and sadly the only way that you do that these days is by you know, being very, very clever and canny. And sometimes if you've got a lot of money, you can get ahead. We've never had a lot of money. Um, I never really put money into promotion. More that we've put money into equipment um, and that side of things. So, so yeah, it, it can be a slippery slope. I mean, Facebook posts, um, believe it or not, like one of a job that I had for a while was helping to uh, helping small businesses to promote themselves on social media. Um, and I used to see people throwing away thousands of pounds on marketing and I'd step in to help them and say, look, stop throwing your money away on Facebook um, because you're getting such a small return. You're spending a hundred pounds and, you know, 6% of your followers are seeing that post and you're getting 40 pounds back. Mm. That's not fair. But, you know, um, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just actually the only people's pockets you're lining is, is the Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so and I think a lot of bands they they do that they'll do sponsored posts, and we get told by people all the time to do sponsored posts, so get 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 a further reach and sponsored posts, and you know, yes, they, but what does it achieve? Are you looking to sell more records? Are you looking for connectivity? Are you looking for to grow your brand and you you know all these kind of things? And I mean, even talking to you about it now, it's like the the thought of it it. it it kind of bores me because I'm thinking, well, actually, yes, it has its place. Yes, it has its purpose. But there's so many people there and it's a business at the end of the day. And it's hard to not be cynical about the whole machine, really, isn't it? I think yeah. like that. Um, so, um, you know, me and Steve, and yeah, probably yourself, uh, grew up buying the NME yeah. um, and Discovery and Melody Maker and discovering bands through them. And they used to accept submissions from unsigned artists and you could get your listing in there for free and you could send off your demo to be um, reviewed. Um, not aware of too many magazines that do that now. Um, you know, Big Cheese do that, actually. I've got to say, I've been reviewed in Big Cheese a few times. They do that. You can submit your record. But there's very few that, you know, and, and I think they're inundated with MP3s and yeah. street uh, links yeah. to review. It becomes a different animal. It became a different animal when when the sort of digital thing became more viable to send like material to you know magazines and whatnot. Um, you know, especially like the same. It was the same like same deal with Kerrang. You know, you could get your your demo reviewed in there or Metal Hammer um, to sort of go on the sort of heavier side of things. And um, Terrorize is another one. Um, but yeah, a lot of them now you don't necessarily have that. It's it's sort of done on. Um, I guess if you were trending or something like that, or, you know, it, it's, it, it's, I, I mean, I've not been in the promotion game for a while, so I'm sort of talking as sort of like an old school person that's, you know, has like a, a lead time of four months, three months for an album or whatever. And then you send, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, no, that, that kind of demo scene, if you will, I mean, there's still, you know, there's still a couple of fanzines out there that are doing all right but a lot of like even the sort of like websites that that used to cater a lot for unknown bands don't so much have that anymore because i think they just get so inundated with that mp3 submission yeah absolutely i mean um 
I, I the last the last music industry A and R person that I spoke to was about three years ago now, um, and they came to a London show. Um, and they, and they and they said something that was really interesting to me. It's, it's always stuck with me. They've, they've, they've they said our label. I'm not going to name labels. They were, but I'll say that they were an umbrella of Sony. Okay. <laughs> um, independent, independent, inverted commas, umbrella of Sony. Um, and they said that um, we would not even look at you guys, meaning the band or any other band, unless they were regularly filling venues of 400 plus in the UK and then they'd have to be doing that regularly before we'd look at Europe and look at breaking them into other markets um, and but then I was like oh god yeah but I mean, 400 people in every venue in the UK every <laughs> state. a lot of people um, and I thought to myself wow and then they turned around and said to me however if you're filling um, that capacity of venue in the UK on your own back off your own back why do you need a label anyway yeah and I'm kind of like, well, actually, yeah, that's fair because, you know, there's there's musicians I know for, who, for example, were in big bands and then they go solo and then they talk to you about finances privately and what they're earning when they're in the big band and what they're earning solo. And actually, they're taking more home in the back pocket by playing to 200 people in a small venue than they are playing to 2,000 with the band. That's and and that, you know, and that's, that's, a, that's a real eye-opener because the bigger the show, the bigger the band, the more band members, the more, uh, you know, the, the bigger the venues, the more crew you need and everything else. It, there's more people to pay, so there's less money overall. So if you keep a smaller crew and you keep things tight and you're not extravagant, that's maybe the modern way to earn money in music, but, um, you know, and keep a livelihood, if you like. Well, you know, that was just one person's, you know, two, three people's advice I've given there who've, who've sort of said this to me over the years. Um uh, of what they do but um you know he, he's very difficult uh out there i think um i feel like we've i feel like we've gone we've gone into a dower kind of it's all right it's all right no it's it's fine it's um no i, I just like because i'm harking back to it's basically making me remember my days in a band and uh we actually played in bradford by the way um at, at rio's oh. Fantastic Reels was an absolute belting club. Did you have a good time there? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was like, if if I remember it rightly, it was good fun. So, <laughs> but we're talking like fifteen. Yeah, probably about fifteen years ago. I think now. Absolutely. I mean, we we'd have been gigging around there at that, that time, and I think. Um, like they were one of the only places in the area that did cans of red stripe and bottled Newcastle brown ale, which were. <laughs> why mostly why we went <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was, it was really cool i mean i played like, like up in that sort of like yorkshire area and stuff leeds and stuff as well um and uh yeah no so it's, it's a really uh really good like really good vibe up there actually um from what i always had a good time never had a bad experience apart from i'm gonna say burnley um but that was that was just purely a promoter and things you know how they go <laughs> absolutely no we've had i've had my fair share of like punch-ups and sit-ins and all kinds of things over the years when people refuse to either pay you or someone kicks off and yeah. he he's kind of part of it i mean i was talking to a friend of mine the other day about about that exact thing and it'd, it'd usually end up in like a western kind of like a western kind of face-off you know like i mean like a spaghetti western face-off yeah of, of who was who was going to wait out the longest. But then afterwards, usually the club would have you back and the promoter would book you again. And if there was a fight with the crowd and there was all kind of like a riot going on, everyone would be best friends after and buying everyone everyone drinks. And there'd be no hard feelings. There'd yeah. be no need to call the police. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no one would be getting the mates coming round. It was just, it was always kind of resolved. Um, uh, so even though it was like exhilarating and quite dangerous at times, like touring and things like that, then there was never any but real bad experiences. I've had some fantastic times gigging around the Midlands um, over the years. I think that was my favourite place to gig, actually. Uh, people were, were just really always up for it there, you know, like yeah. absolute, like proper rock crowds, just like, yeah, just give it to us really hard and mean we love it and we're gonna have a really good booze up and a really good night so you know it, I, I loved playing that um i think i think scotland was the same as well for us glasgow um yeah. we had some good gigs in glasgow 
Yeah. So the, the sort of north of territories were good for us. Um not to say we didn't have good gigs down down here in the south, but uh I do have some good memories of being playing like in Scotland and stuff like that and up, you know, up near Liverpool. Um you know, just generally around that area and 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 and, and beyond, really. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's like the people up there are really nice. So, <laughs> I guess really cool. um, I think playing down south for, for myself, um, I always knew that I was going to do a really good gig because I I was a designated van driver, so I had this huge Sherpa van, like a LDV convoy, you know, six ton vehicle or whatever, a long wheelbase, and it had a couple of beds in there for me to toured, split a vehicle, uh, really, really nice. But it was, it was, it was just you know one of those festival things you'd see at Glastonbury, and it, it was really run down. We had all kinds of decorations on it. It was a bit mad, <laughs> but I always knew we'd have a good gig if we got to the venue in London, wherever we were playing, and there was somewhere to park. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, parking in London. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> That's- if we could plan, that was it. We were having a good gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially if it was near the venue as well. Um. <laughs> but I, I've been miles away before and had to get the bus back into the venue. <laughs> oh man! So. Yeah, no, we got we got our fair share of uh, tickets. Uh, to be honest with you, like we we had like, a few occasions when we were doing all right. We had a tour bus, you know, like a full like touring bus thing, like sixteen berth or whatever. And um, yeah, like we got. I think I think it was one tour where we got like four tickets in different cities because <laughs> we we insisted on parking outside the venue and like leaving it plugged in there and uh yeah I never I never really liked Lon- London was always expensive like just to like cuz like we'd insist on parking near the venue so yeah um, it, it, well, it just made things a damn sight lot easier as well, and loading in, loading out, which was always a bit of a stress in in bigger cities. I think Manchester and London were always the most stressful um, in terms of park, you know, like parking and loading in and loading out. Um, although saying that, the the Manchester Academy was always dead easy. Um, that was always pleasant. I think the bigger venues in London was, were difficult I remember I played a gig at the Astoria before that um, was demolished maybe yeah. a couple of weeks um, uh, and that was I remember stepping in this into the street out back and uh, getting a wet foot and I was like oh where's the water coming from and the crew guy went it's not water oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. and you were like nope he said all toilets are over flooding he said the building's going to be knocked down in a couple of weeks so no one's doing anything to it right now so just yeah so just uh kind of disinfect your foot so that was but the, all these things make you laugh don't they it's, like, it's part of you when you're in a band it's kind of it makes it makes it as well all the funny stuff oh, yeah t- totally totally and and the, the astoria was was a, a favorite venue I, I never played there i always wanted to um closest i got was a club around the corner called the metro and um but yeah no the astoria was one of my favorite venues to go to um it's such a shame it's not there anymore but uh, it, it was a very cool place i thought yeah yeah no it's really cool you got to play there as well i'm very jealous of that because uh, <laughs> like i said i wanted to play there, but never got the opportunity never played anywhere else in london that were as as big or as as nice as that you know like played the garage the Islington academy yeah but n- not um not none of them had the same vibe as the astoria no um and uh and that, that's a shame in fact i think some of the best gigs that i've had in london have been either at the hope and anchor or the dublin castle which are just classic venues oh, uh, anchor. yes that was my first london show at that venue really? <laughs> yeah that's that's a hell of a loading and load out there um, in, it's, uh, over that way because it's just it's so hard to park around that area and if you choose it when there's a game day on a like a Premier League game as yeah. well and it's even harder. So yeah. well, no, I, I remember but, it well. The stage was about the size of uh, a, a dinner table, um, <laughs> like in the corner. And, People walk past you as they come in as well, which always gets me like the stages by the door. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you can watch them as they leave as well. 
been there like that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well man i've got a couple of questions left for you if that's all right these are my kind of like generic and like finishers if you will um but what i'd really like to know uh is is what are your three top albums like the ones that really kind of were pivotal in your kind of musical career the one that kind of like the, the ones that kind of like you know made you want to pick up the guitar made you want to sing or whatever um what what would you sort of like if you can close it down to three albums what would they be uh that's interesting yes i'll i'll give you the i'll give you the first three albums yeah um because i think if i went with like now then it'd be ridiculous to say but what made me pick up a guitar so oasis definitely maybe cool um the stereophonics word gets around nice was uh was also like a, a big album uh and 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 then um it, a friend of mine introducing me to nevermind nirvana nevermind um oh. and that, that actually that album in particular kicked me away from the kind of indie stuff that i was into at the time i was into you know like stone roses and ocean color scene um yeah. like paul weller and all this kind of sort of like indie indie stuff the verve the the depressing things and then um my friend lent me Nirvana, never mind, um, and I was that. That introduced me to loads of other things. Then it, it was I, I got into Bush, JJ seventy two, um, and then that it just spiraled from there and went into all kinds of other areas, um, which nice. which was exhilarating. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really cool. I mean, I like normally because I, I, if you've seen my sort of like guests of this show previously, but they're normally on the heavier side of music. Um, or completely different genre um i don't get too many sort of like indie fans on or indie bands on um so hearing like oasis stereophonics that you're into like the um the verve and 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 ocean color scene and stuff that's really harking back to my teenage years as well like along with the sort of like heavier stuff but um yeah i was a big fan of ocean color scene oh really well i'd like to say californication was a big one as well actually um pepper but yeah that that i think I think it was just it, I like their style. In uh, that was the, my introduction to that band, and I just thought, what what is this? It's like rock, pop, funk. Yeah. You know, jazz. I don't even know what it is, but it just sounds cool. Yep. And when I went to California, it, that's what California looked and smelled like to me. That album, so they they, they nailed that for me. But yeah, um, I think. That, where you start with music, you never end, though, do you? No, it's <laughs> so. very true. My my household was very pop orientated, so uh, my early years are, are significantly like like drowning in pop music. Um, but gradually, I found my own kind of gateway uh, through obviously friends and things like that. But um, I have to give a shout out, like you were talking about machine uh, Motorhead. Sorry, at the start of the show, um, they were the first exposure to what obviously heavy metal for me is and was um through the young ones the tv show Uh, oh fantastic because they they had like occasionally had like musical guests on there like randomly mid sitcom um but there was one where they were going on university challenge and uh they have this like montage moment where they're rushing to the tv studio but it's all to the sound of ace of spades yeah yeah i know that i do know that episode yeah 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 so and like from there i was like all rock music and then um gradually my dad like he was listening to stuff in the car you know the sort of like general classic prog rock genesis stuff like that um and yeah just gradually went from there really and then and then sort of indie music kind of uh took me for a little bit because i was like really enjoying you know um like say oasis um uh blur i'm trying to think of other bands from back then um i've already mentioned ocean color scene i'm trying to dodgy like yeah, oh yeah um, yeah. Stuff like that. Of, of things like you know presidency of the united states of america and that kind of thing kind of fell into that indie vibe for me a little bit as well just um yeah. of yeah they sort of those are definitely like crossover and the breeders and brian jones town massacre i I, lo- I love brian jones town massacre um all those kind of like indie bands who were kind of influenced by the british indie scene as well so mm cool um it's just strange because i think indie was the first time i actually developed my own taste for music because i, I was brought up as you were on, on my dad's music almost yeah. like robert, robert palmer but maybe robert palmer was like where the electro seed was planted i don't know um to start with and things like that but um 
my mum um, had a, has excellent taste in music, and she's a, one hell of a dancer, like soul dancer, like northern soul dancer. Nice. Um, so I was brought up on northern soul, Motown, and um, and reggae. And but I think northern soul and Motown more than any any other like genre. It is a structure that when we write as a band, that is, I always use that soul structure, that classic pop structure. Yeah. And I think that that, that manifested from of keeping things going, keeping things interesting, keeping people up. And I think that was maybe where the, some of the energy from our songs definitely come from. That's, uh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm like my 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 taste going to like the sort of hip hop side. So the Northern Soul is like a big part of that. Um, just in the much on the, that DJing part of it, like keeping people going and you know finding that break that keeps people dancing. Um, what, what is the album now? I think it's uh, Cypress Hill Tem- Tem- Temple Temples of Boom. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that album. When I first heard that album, I was like, okay. Uh, game changer in terms of hip hop. It made me go and discover things like NWA. That album was just like it was when hip hop arrived for me. I was never really into, you know, like the more commercial side and uh, uh, things like that. And Tupac, I was never really into the, the whole gangster thing. But then I, I arrived at that album and thought, wow, okay, if this is what hip hop is like as a genre, I've just been really ignorant to it and I need to go back and look. And that got me into Della Soul and all these other hip hop artists who um, had completely different production values. But the NWA debut album is the closest thing that I think is to, to punk rock yeah. without being punk rock. Yeah. It just hits you in the face, straight out of Compton, just hits you in the face. And that, that, that really appealed to me that act. It was an attitude thing that appealed to me, like hearing Smells Like Teen Spirit for the first time. And um, I was just like bowled over. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, man. Um, finally, uh, what are your hobbies away from music? So when you're not writing, producing um, or anything like that, what, what do you kind of do to kind of like unwind or, or, or get away from it, if you will? Um, well, actually, since lockdown, I've, I've developed a new hobby and it's walking. Okay. <laughs> so- <laughs> Uh, hence, uh, at the moment, I've got a t-shirt suntan from walking, so my arms and uh, face are, are very tanned. <laughs> so that's quite funny as well. And uh, ironically, that's it always makes me go back to again the stereophonics because they have a lyric about t-shirt suntans in the first album. <laughs> so I'm that person at the moment. But um, when when this is the lockdown's not happening, um, I, I, to de-stress, I have a very structured regime, if you like. Uh, I'll, when I've finished work, um, because I work in the mental health sector, okay. um, in digital health, um, I'm actually a qualified uh, person-centered counselor, uh, teacher, um, and also a, a, a music producer in terms of degrees and qualifications. So I have quite a varied role in what I do, yeah. uh, uh, as well as music. Um, so it, I, I like to, I need to some distance and to de-stress. So the gym is really important for me. I go and lift some heavy weights and hit a heavy bag box. Um, and then when I've done that, go home and I like to cook, unwind a couple of glasses of wine while I'm cooking. Um, just because it's like a, you know, uh, what is he called? Floyd kind of effort. Um, the, the cook guy. Oh like, yeah. You know, uh, oh my God. <laughs> Um, I can't remember his name. I I can see him in my head. I can see him talking. I can see him drinking. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not quite like that, but it's definitely um, you know, like it helps me to unwind. Does um, cooking. Um, cool. uh, I like that, the structure of it. Um, uh, besides that, you, you, the usual, you know, like uh, to watch series, usually psychological thrillers. Um, but recently I've been getting into some comedies and I've got to say there's some absolute beauties out there at the moment that are really, really just turning my head. Um, I've, I recently watched Afterlife with Ricky Gervais, who I've never been a fan of. Yep. Um, that's really funny. And what we do in the shadows on BBC iPlayer. Yes. Uh, just, it's a rich vein, I think. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty much it really. I have, I have a pretty quiet life. That's really cool. Um, um, it's, it's Keith Floyd. I just looked it up. Keith, is it? Yeah. yeah. Just the... Um, but no, like, especially like, I mean, working in the sort of like mental health sector, that's something I'm quite passionate about generally just 
like you know i mean it's a whole sort of like rabbit hole we can go down now but um i don't think we will right now just purely on the basis that that this could go on for hours but um no i just wanted like if you're working in that sector i just want to say you know thank you for that because it is something that like you know i i I, suffer, I have my own mental health issues as as a lot of people do um and you know i'm dealing with mine with certain you know things that i've been like learning through therapy and see things like that but um yeah no that must be quite rewarding on that front i mean yeah yeah i think i mean on that note i think none of us are exempt um from having a crisis um you know whether that whether that is anxiety depression all kinds of things um i mean one thing in this period uh you know that has been uh i found quite difficult myself is um i had a hospital visit which is another reason the um record was delayed um so i i started having these really intense migraines and um uh it turns out like i had a i had a i had like a spasm in my brain okay so i had to go to hospital and have loads of neurological examinations and i won't go into too much detail but like everywhere that you can have an examination i had an examination <laughs> and um but it was also an interesting but frightening process and you know, it took me a couple of weeks after that hospital visit where I thought, you know, during this crisis as well, you know, and all the things that are going on and having to go to hospital was extremely stressful. Uh, so you, even if you work in a sector and you're qualified um, in certain things in the mental health sector, it doesn't make you exempt and no one's exempt. Mm. Just some of us are, have better coping mechanisms, different triggers than others and um, different ways of dealing with things, but no one's right or, or wrong. And I think it's something that I think it helps to unify people, really, and particularly in this climate as well, where there's so much uncertainty. There's so many things going on politically and socially in the world. You know, one of the things that unify all of us in this time is, well, the pandemic unifies us all. Um, they, our mental health, which is, from what I gather from talking to people, suffering and, you know, not being able to, that human contact that maybe, and going out, even if we don't go out much, it's just those things that are playing on people's minds, you know, but... Um, it's it, everyone and anyone will will have some kind of crisis in the life at some point and um we're fortunate in the uk that we have a, a lot of different services to be able to help with with that um i i specialized in bereavement for a long time counseling um, for over well, three years um with an organization a national organization who were fantastic and um it was great to be part of that and help um people because I think it's something that, again, none of us are exempt to. We we, we are we are all born. You can't argue with that. Yep. And unfortunately, um, you know, um, quite poignantly, we, we will all die. Yeah. And while we're here, we've got to, you know, just uh, do our best, really. Um, and uh, as, as the dude would say, take it easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. Totally. And 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 that's like a that's a, I mean that's a big message in that like it, like that I found really useful like initially when I was sort of like getting help to start with was knowing that I wasn't on my own. You know, I I I I found out quite quickly that a lot of people, even people that I knew that hadn't spoken about it with me at all, um, had their various issues, and I attended like group sessions and stuff like that to sort of try and help me and you know, and it was just like being in a room of people that have you know their sort of like level of 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 mental health issues it really helped because it's like i'm not on this i'm not doing this on my own like it's all in my head but it's like there are other people that have the same kind of uh issue i guess to want of a better word there's some solace in in that year that other people are experiencing the same thing um i mean when when i was qualifying um i had to i mean I'd, i've had um person-centered therapy in my mid-20s which turned me on to thinking about it and thinking about the whole process uh when my first band actually um disbanded it really affected me because it was all of a sudden this thing i'd done for seven years and toured around uk and europe and had all these amazing opportunities and played massive festivals you just went overnight and we stopped talking to each other and that really affected my my life and so i went there and then um i didn't have therapy for many years until i started to qualify as a as a therapist and then as part of that i had to go and have 10 of my own sessions 
and I loved it so much. I stayed for 20. (laughs) (laughs) And I I learned a lot, obviously, about it because uh, I also realized that there was things in my life that I actually still needed to talk about. And the best way to do that was to talk to someone who were neutral, who I didn't know. It wasn't, you know, friend looking, I wasn't looking for support. I was just talking to someone who I didn't know. And there's something exhilarating that, in that and also it freed me up massively it's, um, yeah no definitely definitely and like 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 you said just then about like when your band splits up when when mine went um it was like a breakup like 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 a relationship breakup um i mean we all sort of like still sort of talk and all that kind of stuff but it felt like a part of you like if you like you split up with a girlfriend or a long-term girlfriend or anything like that it felt like that Yes, absolutely. I I can, you know, I can see sort of like when, when sort of like you say bands split up like bigger bands and you watch or you don't watch it, but you hear that someone afterwards is having a bad time and you're like, I know exactly what he's going through. Hopefully someone is there kind of like, you know, reaching out and offering help, but it is, it is, it's very, because you don't think about our band split up. Okay, that's fine. But yeah absolutely it did it it genuinely affected me and it came out like when i was in one of my sessions and it was like because i'd never like correlated the two before i just i kind of because it was like a it was a band it wasn't like um you know like you know say if like me and like girlfriend or me and my wife split or whatever it's not like that but then it turns out it's very much the same Mm. Yeah. yeah yeah Hey, hundred percent. I complete, completely agree. And, yeah. and it's really because I think when I tried to talk to my friends and family about it, I don't know about yourself, they, they didn't really understand because to them it was like, oh well, you'll get back to where you were, and you know, you'll 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 find a new band, and oh maybe you should try this and try that. And yeah. but, but you've lived something quite unique, and I, I can only maybe refer to it as being you've kind of been in a gang. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's very much it <laughs> and they don't understand that it, it, what the dynamics in the relationship is like everyone kind of has the role and it kind of it kind of works i mean and uh, and to explain that to someone it's, it's typical friends and family because i found friends getting kind of jealous jealous yeah in a way of that relationship that you have with your band that's something that they can't quite explain it is it's it's a friendship it's a brotherhood it's a you know, you, you've chosen each other for a start, which counts for a hell of a lot. Mm. Um, and you can live with each other. And I think this is, you, you share some, you know, strange moments. I mean, <laughs> this is it's obviously a, a funny moment, but, you know, I have, I've had band members who've come to me who've had serious health issues on, on tour and gone, look, I need help. I need a doctor. And where can we get one? We were on tour and I'm frightened. And you, you, you help that band member out and you keep it separate from the rest of the band because there might be that one member who might take the mickey out of him for it or yeah. whatever you you shield each other and you but the but you all love each other and it, it's a really strange kind of weird thing to explain to anyone um so it is a, it is a terrible loss and pain when when that does happen yeah no definitely definitely well man um thank you very much for your time um i really do appreciate it i I, absolutely pleasure speaking to you um good luck with um the single and the album and everything um on that front um and uh yeah make sure you send me that remix absolutely yes um definitely i will talk to uh gary cool excellent (laughs) and and, uh and see if we can maybe uh, get that to you sooner awesome Uh, later um but um, i've really enjoyed speaking to you it's been a, a really excellent um chat i've, I've really enjoyed it. thank you very much thank you man you have a good rest of your day all right you too stay safe thank you take care bye-bye